Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. Let's pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God, our wisdom, our salvation. Amen. Expectations. We all have them. We all have expectations. Some of those expectations are small. Some of those expectations are huge. Some of them are justified, and some of them are misplaced. We have small expectations. You go to a, your favorite restaurant to get your favorite meal, and for some reason this night, eh, you know, the steak's a little too well done, fish is a little dry. So the normal expectation of that meal, well, so much for expectations. Or you decide after the first of the year, New Year's resolutions, right? And so I'm going to start exercising and get in shape and I'm going to diet and eat right. And so I do that for two weeks and I get on the scale and it's moved absolutely nowhere. So much for expectations. Of course, some expectations are a little more important. I go to the doctor with some symptoms, and I expect that the doctor's going to give me a prescription, you know, and I'll go home and take the pills and I'll be okay. And actually, I walk out of there with an appointment to see a specialist. <laughs> so much for expectations. Some expectations are certainly justified. We raise our children to, uh, and to embrace certain values, certain things that are important, and over time we come to expect that they will live in a certain way, and when they don't, our expectations, well, they're dashed. We have certain expectations that Chores will be done, and sometimes they're not. And it's okay to have those expectations because, well, expectations teach responsibility. It's a way of saying to each other we're accountable. Of course, we could have unexpected ex or unfair expectations in reference to our children. We can expect them that they've got to be certain things that maybe they're not geared to be, but... but in our family, we've had five generations of doctors. Or maybe we expect things of them that we shouldn't, or maybe sometimes we're living our frustrated dreams through them. When I'm in my younger days, when I was a young adult, I spent some time coaching boys' baseball and girls' softball. 
was a lot of fun. But there were some parents who not only thought that every game we played was Game 7 of the World Series, but that right there, if they didn't get the hit they should have gotten, or if they didn't make the play they should have made, that parent had to tell them right in front of everybody. Unfair expectations. By the way, we, it's good for us to have expectations for ourselves. We all should. I think responsible people do have expectations. I have certain expectations for me. You have certain expectations for you. And it's good that we have that. But sometimes we also expect things from ourselves that's unfair. We put too much of a burden on ourselves. Maybe we expect things that really just can't possibly happen. Not because there's anything wrong with us, it's just because our expectations are too high. But then when those expectations aren't fulfilled, we beat ourselves up. And we don't need to do that. And of course we have expectations of others and there's nothing wrong with that. Because, you know, in order for us to live the way we need to live and do what we need to do with our responsibilities, often we're expect, we, we, we are counting on others to do their part, and if they don't, if we're, they don't do what we're expecting, then we have the problem. But sometimes our expectations are unfair. Sometimes maybe we want others to be just like us. We want them to put importance on things that we put importance on, and if they don't, maybe they've got other things that are important, but because we don't deem those things as important, our expectations of others can become unfair as well. So there's a lot of expectations. God has expectations too. God has expectations of his people, but God he gets to the heart of the matter of what's important so that what God expects is always appropriate. God's expectations are never unfair. They're never misplaced. And God often in the Bible has to deal with folks whose expectations are misplaced. We do remember reading the Gospels that, that uh, the disciples expected Jesus to be the kind of Messiah they grew up being told the Messiah was going to be, the guy who was going to raise an army and lead a revolt against the oppressors and drive them out of Jerusalem and Judea and set up the kingdom. And their expectations of Jesus are continually dashed when Jesus just doesn't act like that Messiah. He's going to be a different kind of Messiah. And in our Old Testament reading... We have a familiar story about the anointing of David as king. And this is a passage about expectations. God expects his kings to be righteous. That's very clear. They're not perfect. He expects them to be righteous. And they get judged when they're not. And that is the one theme that goes throughout the Old Testament when the kings are being listed, the different kings, you will always get this statement this king did what was right in the sight of the Lord, or this king did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. 
For God, leadership is not just functional, about making sure certain things get done. It's about reflecting the kind of character that reflects the divine image in the world. And so the first king of Israel is Saul, King Saul. And when Saul is anointed king, oh my gosh, his description, he looks like a king. He really does. He looks like what we would envision as a good king. He's tall. We are told that Saul stands head and shoulders above everybody else. He's tall. He's good-looking. He's probably got that chiseled features, you know. And he's probably built like a guy who you wouldn't want to face in battle. And when he is anointed, the people raise up in one voice in a confident exclamation, this is our king. He's going to be a great king. How do you know? Look at him. Just look at him. But it isn't long (laughs) before it becomes very clear Saul is not a good king. Saul is selfish and self-centered. All he can think about is hanging on to his own power. He's going to ignore the word of the Lord that comes from the prophets. He's going to ignore the admonishments of the priests. In fact, he's going to do something that would have been unheard of for a king of Israel. He actually executes priests. Saul, the man who looks like a king, is not a very good one. And Saul's life ends tragically. But before that happens, God decides, we're told in the passage, God says, you know what, we made Saul king and uh, that didn't work out so well. So God's going to anoint a new king. And he says to the prophet Samuel, I want you to go to the house of Jesse because I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But here's what I want to tell you. I don't want you to look at his height. I don't want you to look at his appearance because that is not the indicator of a good leader. I don't look at any of that. I look on the heart. Now there's nothing wrong with qualifications for a job, right? When we hear have people apply for a job and we hire them and this happens everywhere, right? You got to give out your resume and your recommendations. We look at experience, we look at education, we look at all kinds of things and then we do interviews and then we choose the person we think is best for the job. That's not what God's talking about here. God's not saying we're just going to have people, anybody who wants to, to, uh, to, to have this job just come say you want to apply and we'll just, you know, pick a name out of a hat because, because We don't want to judge by appearances. That's not what's being said. What's being said is God doesn't make judgments based on the trivial appearances. And we human beings do. We have a long history, human history, 
of people willing to follow other people who give great speeches, who are charismatic, who say what everybody wants to hear. And then history judges that the people judged incorrectly. So it's not about experience, qualifications. This is not what God's talking about. God is saying, I don't judge superficially. That's what Paul says, by the way, in our epistle lesson when he says to the Corinthians about him and those in ministry with him that other people judge us by superficial appearances, but that's not what we're about. So Samuel comes to the home of Jesse, and he has the sons parade by, and God says, they're going to kind of parade in front of you, and I'll let you know which one. And so you get all these sons parade by. A lot of them are in the Israelite army, no doubt. They look like they could do the job, and God keeps saying, nope, it ain't that one. I don't know if God said ain't or not, but, you know. No, it's not that one, and it's not that one, it's not that one. And he gets through all the sons, and it's nobody, and... Samuel asked, don't you have another son? Well, yeah, there's David, the youngest. He's out tending to the sheep. For some reason, Jesse doesn't seem to think that his youngest son would be one of the prospects. Go get him. So they bring him. And here he comes, and we got this description. Here's the description. He's ruddy. He's very light-complected. He would have stood out in the ancient Semitic world, right? He's got, so it depends on the translation, but you could say he's got beautiful eyes. And then you get, and our translation says, and he was handsome. Actually, you could translate that as he's pretty. Which means David, by the way, you remember, you remember, uh, I don't know what it was, 20, 25 years ago, Richard Gere played David. Anybody remember that movie? Nobody remembers the movie of Richard Gere playing David? Well, just let me say for the record, David didn't look like Richard Gere. He may have even slight feminine features, which there's nothing wrong with that, but again, if you're comparing him to Saul, if you put Saul and David next to each other and you had to say, choose one of these to be king, you probably wouldn't have chosen David. And in fact, it's interesting, as I said before, when Saul was anointed, the people shout, this is our king. When David's anointed publicly, and that's not in our lesson this morning, but when he's anointed publicly, the people will say, this is our king? But David goes on to be the king who becomes the shadow of the final king of David who's going to bring in the kingdom who for Christians is Jesus Christ. No, David wasn't perfect. But David was very concerned about making sure that he did what was right before God, and even when he's called upon on the carpet for it, he then doesn't dig his heels in, he doesn't blame anybody else, he says yes, and he repents. 
So the one thing about God is that God gets to the heart of the matter in all of us and in everyone else. We try not to judge superficially. I think all of us here would say, yeah, we really don't like to do that. We don't want to do that. But boy, it can be hard, right? It can be difficult. People who have studied this kind of thing say that when we meet somebody new for the first time, we've already made at least three value judgments about them in 10 seconds, just by looking at them. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. But I suppose there are times when I do that. And so when we judge superficially, when we don't get to the heart of the matter for us and for others, we end up with unfulfilled expectations and disappointments. And maybe what we need to do at times is to ask ourselves, is the problem with this other person or is the problem with my expectations? I am so glad that God has gifted us in many different ways. And you know, all of us as human beings, we're not a complete package. The strengths of character that we all have also means that there are certain things we're not quite good at. But you see, it all comes together. And so the problem, again, is not having expectations. It's having ones that mislead us. And so, friends, as we continue on in ministry as the church, help, uh, let, let us ask the Spirit to help us to get to the heart of the matter and not only the expectations of ourselves, but the expectations of one another. May we be satisfied with the person in front of us who God has made who is different from us and may we be satisfied with the person whom God has made of us each and every one of us and be satisfied with how God has made us and once we do that we then work together as the body of Christ as Paul will to say to the Corinthians about the body of Christ being many different parts, but it all works together for one. And it starts, I think, with fair and reasonable expectations of one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, how grateful we are for the expectations you have of us. Sometimes we're, we confess that maybe those expectations could be a little unfair, but we know you are wise and you are just. Help us to get to the heart of the matter as you do with the expectations we have of ourselves and of others. May we judge fairly. May we judge rightly. May we judge lovingly. In Jesus' name, amen.